Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, welcome back to the show today. If you've been with us the last, I don't know, um, what, 40-ish days, you know that we've been talking uh, a lot about the post-resurrection appearances of Christ, and then we've been also talking about His ascension, and the reason why is because that's kind of where we're at in the the calendar year, right? Right. Well, we had we had Easter, and, yeah. and and obviously, you know, after the resurrection, you have Jesus walking on earth for 40 days, meeting with um, multiple places with his disciples and others, many as up to 500 at one time. Mm-hmm. So uh, the proof of his resurrection has been laid out, and then, of course, um, he ascended into heaven, yep. uh, witnessed by, by those um, as he ascended, and uh, we're told this one who ascended is going to come back in the same way he he departed. Yep. So we're looking, we're in that period where we're looking forward to his return. But yes. before then, uh, you know, in this historical process, we we we're, we're dealing with the ascension. Mm-hmm. Just want to quickly um, say that we don't want to bind anybody's conscience if if you don't follow the church calendar or want to follow the church calendar, that's completely fine. We're not suggesting that that is a must or a necessity, um, but it can be helpful to think about some key moments in the work of of Jesus Christ on behalf of the church. And so um, the incarnation, his crucifixion, his his resurrection and ascension and and um, all of all of those moments, Pentecost, whatever you want to do, mm-hmm. they're just tools. Um, they're not obligations. So we don't want to suggest in any way, shape, or form that you have to do these things or have to know what the church calendar is, but it can be helpful. Yeah, certainly. You know, um, the way that um, some of the creeds and confessions have divided up Jesus's work is uh, two, two stages, essentially. His humiliation, uh, beginning with the, the virgin birth, ending with his death and burial, and then his exaltation, beginning with his resurrection and then his ascension in heaven uh in the larger catechism uh it asks this question how was christ exalted in his ascension and it says christ was exalted in his ascension in that having after his resurrection often appeared unto and conversed with his apostles speaking to them of the things pertaining to the kingdom of god and giving them commission to preach the gospel to all nations Forty days after his resurrection, he, in our nature and as our head, triumphing over our enemies, visibly went up into the highest heavens there to receive gifts for men, to raise up our affections uh, thither, 
Is that how you say that word? <laughs> thither. <laughs> Sorry. And to prepare a place for the, us. The word is there. <laughs> there. Thank to you. raise our affections there. there. And to prepare a place for us where he himself is and shall continue till his second coming at the end of the world. I know that was a little bit long, but the kind of the part that we're focusing on today in terms of the ascension is the, the, the fact that Jesus uh, went to receive gifts for men for us. Now, that takes us to Ephesians 4. You want me to read uh, Ephesians 4, beginning with verse 7. But grace was given to each one according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Mm -hmm. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. It's interesting that Ephesians 4 is going to be quoting from Psalm 68. So in verse 8, it says, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and gave gifts to men. Um, Psalm 68 is a conquest psalm of God delivering his people from their enemies. And in Psalm 68, verse 18, it says, You ascended on high, leading a host of captives in your train. And the imagery is that when a conquering king came back from battle, all of the captives would be behind them, and they would be parading um, the captives to as a symbol of the victory that had been had won. Mm -hmm. But then the next line in Psalm 68 is, and receiving gifts from men. And so the tradition was that when the conquering king came back, mm. leading the captives, people would bring gifts to the conquering ki king. Well, the quote has changed in Ephesians 4. The king has come, conquered, Jesus Christ came to earth, lived, died, and rose by all of that, brought salvation for his people, freed them, conquered all of his enemies and ours, ascends on high, and then he gives gifts mm. to men. That the conquering king who is entitled to be given gifts flips mm -hmm. the script and says, no, I'm the one that's going to give the gift. So grace upon grace. Yeah. Um, there's a song um, that we're, we've been singing in church lately. It kind of reminds me of that. It's a really simple song. It says, Jesus says that when I thirst, I should come to him. No one else can satisfy. I should come to him. And it does that like three or four times. Jesus said, when I fear, you know, when I'm weak. But then at the end, it says, Jesus said, when I am lost, he will come to me. And he showed me on the cross that he will come to me. What what wonderful way that the scripture shows us in this particular passage 
Why should a king give gifts to those he has conquered? Maybe one more thing to draw attention to in that particular verse. What are these captives that he has that, that are behind him? I do think that that imagery is parallel. He's, he's conquered sin. He's conquered Satan. He's conquered death. And he's conquered hell. Those are the captives. I mean, do you, do you agree with that? No, I, I think that is the symbolism of that Psalm 68 is alluding to, that we forget that the Old Testament is there for foreshadowing, that it's pointing to, to bigger and deeper and greater things. And so the enemies of the people of Israel in the Old Testament are really just symbolic of the spiritual enemies that, that all Christians have, um, that Josh just listed. And the the psalmist is is, I mean, begins with God shall arise, his enemies shall be scattered, and those who hate him shall shall flee before him, and that's exactly the work of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. that he came and scattered the enemies of God, conquered them. These captives are those that uh, God has made His own by conquering them with His grace, mm-hmm. and and so it refers to. Every believer in in that mm-hmm. respect, you know, we uh, we've, you know, he's he's we are the captives that are in his train. He has conquered death and and hell, and he has is ascended and as he promised in his word um, that we would be seated with him in the heavenly places. Mm-hmm. This is what our union with Christ has done. So, in his grace, he's. You know, we are being brought up in that train and in his ascension to be literally um, united with him where he is. Amen. Well, then the second part of verse uh, 8 says that he gave gifts to men. And then, you know, it carries that same idea down in verse 11, showing us what he gave. Uh, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the the teachers— um, and then it goes on to say what he gave these for. But but unpack that a little bit. What What's significant about these particular gifts? Well, what he, he gave is gifts to the church. Um, and if you look at these, it's, it's really teaching authority gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. It's for the protection, the care, the strengthening, the oversight of the church. And oftentimes, it's interesting, we often talk about people being in full-time ministry. But this text, I I actually think, helps us better understand the work of the church. He gave these leadership, protective, teaching gifts for or to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Mm -hmm. It's the saints in the church that are doing the work of ministry. Mm -hmm. It's the job of pastors and teachers and leadership to equip them. That's not saying that they're also not doing ministry, but there's this kind of weird false dichotomy that pastors and teachers and leadership in the church are doing ministry and the rest of us are just living life. Mm-hmm. And the idea is, no, <laughs> my primary job as a pastor and as a preacher is to be equipping the saints because I want them to be involved in ministry in their day-to-day life. I'm equipping them. That's one of the things that the uh, reformers, reformers, the reformers, (laughs) 
<laughs> Maybe I was you, trying Josh. To, I was trying to blur Rome and reformers. That's what happens when you... Uh, it's one of the things that the reformers had uh, recovered um, in the Reformation, that what Rome had essentially done was they made the experience of church um, like a spectator sport, where the laity would, would watch... Um, and and not participate and and the reformers came along and said no 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 w- when when the body of Christ is engaging with God it's the whole body. Mm-hmm. By the way, I mean I know this is a little bit of, of an aside, but f- for those of you who aren't familiar with you know liturgies and stuff like that, essentially what a liturgy is is it's a it's a dialogue a conversation between the body and. God. So the minister comes, he gives a greeting from God, grace and peace. Then he gives a or a call to worship and those might be, you know, back and forth, that's fine. Interchangeable. But then the, the, the people but. respond with song. And then we we confess our sin. God responds with assurance of pardon. We ask him to illuminate the sermon. He he preaches to us and then we respond in song. And and so the whole and, sermon, the whole church is meant to be a dialogue with God. And some of that, it's not just that we respond in song, we respond in our uh, the vows that are, we are going to make before him. We respond in prayer with him. We're in that constant dialogue throughout the, the sermon. And one of the things that's helpful following that idea of um, worship being a dialogue, uh, in your church, you can, you can ask yourself, when is God speaking to me, and when are we as a people, whether it's through the pastor or through another leader or through a worship leader or something, when are we communicating back to him? Mm-hmm. And so when you begin to see that, you, you'll, you'll find out who's talking in the service. Yeah. And that's really an important thing. For sure. We'll tie it all together. <laughs> well, you know, what it the tied tied together, you know, all of this is so that we become mature in Christ. Mm-hmm. He ascended so you know, so he can give gifts to the church so that we can all attain to maturity in that's Christ. Right. That's right. Amen. Well, you've been listening to the Gospel for Life. Uh, please check out uh, the website. The registration is up for the upcoming Boise Reformation Conference 2021. Go to reformationboise.com. We'll see you next time.